Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want us to just ask God to touch his word to our heart. If you want to have your Bible, you can be seated. I'd like for you to join me in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And if you'll just keep that open, we'll be taking a journey down through a few of these verses. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to touch this word. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. And thank you, almighty God. Thank you for meeting us here. And oh, Lord, I'm asking you to help every one of us in this place to push back everything that's pressing in our mind and those things that may be even chipping away at our faith. I'm asking you, almighty God, to just step in, step into this service. Anoint your word to our heart in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so if you have your Bibles, then will join me in the book of Galatians chapter 5. We're going to just take a journey down through a few of these verses this evening and let the Spirit of the Lord speak to us. I want to talk to you this evening about walking in the Spirit. And um, I pray that the hand of God would just anoint all of us together, not only to speak the word for me, but um, for you to be able to hear and receive the word of the Lord. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul is speaking very abruptly, especially in the text that we're going to be taking tonight. And sometimes it can be misunderstood. You can kind of think that Paul's writing here is written in anger or frustration and personally, but I believe it was righteous indignation that was stirred in the heart of the Apostle Paul and, the, and there was a reason for that. I think it would be easy to assume sometimes that even ministers in our current day could be perceived to be angry. Amen. You may have thought I've been angry a few times, but I hope it wasn't me just in my flesh, but it let the spirit of the Lord stir something in us that stirs up righteous indignation. Now, Paul's writings in the book of, of, of Galatians 5, if we hone in on the, on the issue at hand, this is what we would find. We would find the Judaizers of that day infiltrating the Galatian church and admonishing them to kind of step back in their faith, to step back in their belief. And, and they brought some confusion to the church because what they kept contending for was the law of Moses and many things that were under the law. But specifically in, in our text this evening, what they were speaking directly to was the issue of circumcision. And so consequently, this teaching, in the absence of Paul, I might add, this teaching brought a lot of confusion and even bondage 
to the church of Galatia. As a, as a primary founder of the church here, Paul had expressed great concern about what had been taken, taking place while he was gone. And so in the absence of the founder of the church, so to speak, here, here the Judaizers were saying, what you've got to do is you've got to forget this newfangled religion that you've got, and we've got to go back to the law of Moses. And as a result, he penned some interesting words that we find in this fifth chapter. Now, Paul realized that there could be some room for misunderstanding about freedom, and so he begins to underline something that we should all understand, and that is, is that with freedom comes some tremendous responsibility. And so all of us tonight, perhaps, in this room can remember when we begin to receive certain freedoms, maybe we would think about certain freedoms in our life. When you got your license, you were able to drive on your own. And uh, with, that, with that freedom came some responsibility. And so many other things that come along in our way, freedom always equals responsibility. And so Paul declared that the freedom of Christ had provided and, and that, that Christ had provided and directed the church with that the church needed to stand firm on the gospel of what had been established in, in Jerusalem and what had been established in, in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and what had been the foundational stones of the church. And so in Galatians 5, we find those words, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't go back. That was the message of Paul. Stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So you need to stand in what God has brought you and don't go back to the things that they're trying to whisper in your ear. I believe there are some things that we just absolutely have to get settled and decided in our own life. That, I, that I'm going to settle this issue once and for all and I'm not going back. If you can't settle some issues in your life and if I can't settle some issues in my life, then every mountain we face is gonna take us right back to ground zero and we're never gonna be able to gain ground and grow in the Lord because we keep going back. The gospel of Jesus Christ was decided, I believe, and settled thousands of years ago and there's no room for debate concerning salvation and the grace that his power and his mercy has provided us. The issue facing the church today is more about what freedom in Christ looks like. Many have taken a maybe a nonchalant approach about grace and they think that grace is just living life on their terms. And while others have taken grace and, and they've turned it completely the opposite direction. If you've been around me very long, you've heard me say that there are ditches on both sides of the road and you can lose your life in either one of them. And so the and I'm not just talking about mediocrity, but I believe that there is a balance. David said, my foot standeth in an even place. And so I don't think we should take the grace of God as a license and a liberty to sin, nor do I think that we should abuse the grace of God in, in the other direction either. We gotta make a choice between justification by the law or justification by Christ. And so Paul stated that by choosing the law, he said, when you choose the law over the liberty of what God has brought in your life, then you have essentially, Paul said, you've essentially fallen from grace. Now, those are strong words. But listen, in Galatians 5 and 2, 
He said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. So what Paul was saying is here, here is this. If you're just going to go back and get one thing out of the law, then you're going to have to go back and get everything out of the law. Amen. You're not going to be able to pick and choose. So he said, if, 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 uh, if, I, tes- if I testify to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law, Christ has become of none effect to you and whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. And so if you're going to reject the grace of God, go back to the law of Moses, you can't just go get one thing. You're going to have to go get the whole law and become a debtor to the whole law. You see, legalism is a very deadly trap and it is a trap that we can quickly fall into if we're not careful. Because once we cross into legalistic works, then we are no longer justified by grace. If I can do something to save myself, then I don't need the grace of God. But I'm gonna tell you tonight that I need and you need and the world needs the grace of God. Paul was adamant about this issue and he, and, he, and he pressed those that he was addressing to be adamant about that as well because he said, when you, when you accept one aspect of the law, then you're leaving grace. You're walking back. You're going the wrong direction and he indicated that it was a very deadly choice and a very serious choice that they were making because they were laying down the revelation of the gospel that they had received. I think it's important to be clear about something here. So I think that when we think about grace, choosing grace doesn't, when we talk about grace, that doesn't mean that we no longer have a standard of behavior to live up to or a lifestyle to live up to. Amen. You missed a great place to just run the aisles right there. So when we talk about the grace of God That doesn't mean that we can just pull up all stakes and we can just go adrift. Choosing grace means that our standard of behavior, our standard of behavior is not provided to us by grace. We are doing what we do because we have received the grace of God in our life. Amen. I'm 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 not living any way today that I feel somebody is twisting my arm and compelling me to do. The Spirit of the Lord has led me to make decisions concerning my own life. The Spirit of the Lord has led me as a pastor to make decisions concerning the direction of our church. And I want to hold on to that and be Spirit-led and not think that I can do anything or that we could do anything corporately that would provide us salvation in and of ourselves. Paul talked to the Galatians about righteousness by faith and and faith by works and that being through love. In in verse number five, he said, for we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. What we need are not the law of Moses, but we've got to have faith, the grace of God, and love has got to be the motivator. Amen. The greatest motivation of in our, our lives, in any aspect of our lives, is love. Love can compel you to do things you didn't ever think you would do. Amen. Love. By growing in faith, we should also be growing in, the, in our love for the Lord. 
And, and by this love, then we're willing to do whatever it takes to be pleasing in the sight of God. Amen. And I want to use that word again, willing. There's a willingness. We're not being compelled by uh, the pressure of, of outside sources, but there's something within me that says I'm willing to do that. Not out of a sense of obligation, but I'm going to do this because of my love for him. Amen. The fruit of that faith, I think, is always going to be motivated by love. Therefore, love is an important part of our walk with God. I want the Lord to know that we're not here under duress tonight. We didn't hear, but we were not here because we didn't want to. Uh, we wanted to didn't get one an X by, beside our name. We're not here because we felt like we were going to. Lightning was going to strike us if we didn't show up. Although the lightning that's been around here the last few days, I'm glad I am here. It's a good place to be. But I wanted to know the Lord to know that I'm here because love motivated me to come. Love motivated me to come. Love compels us to serve the Lord. Love compels us to serve one another. Amen. The Bible says in Galatians 5 and 13, for brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. And here's the warning. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. On January the 6th, 1941, President Franklin D. Roosevelt shared his vision of the kind of world that he wanted to see once the war was over. He, he said he envisioned four basic freedoms that should be enjoyed by all people. He said that he wanted to see a world where men and women could enjoy freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Now I want you to think about those four things with me. Freedom of speech, Freedom of worship, we're familiar with those two things. We hear a lot about that today. But he said, I want a world where we have freedom from want and freedom from fear. Those are two powerful things, not to discredit the freedom of speech or the freedom of worship, but the freedom from want. I was sharing with my wife today, just this afternoon, about a message that I recently heard about where the speaker talked about being free from the spirit of want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and she began to speak, it was uh, Sister Donna Linville, and she began to speak about how the Lord had delivered her from something that was vacant and void in her life. She had, at 31 years of age, had cancer, and because of that bout with cancer, she could not have children. And she said that, that because of that, uh, not, the cancer, she couldn't have children. And because of not being able to have children, that she had mourned that loss in her life. That that would be something she would never be able to experience. And she said, I thought I had all of that compartmentalized. And I thought that I had dealt with all of that and put all of that away. And then, a few, and then several years later, she was about 58 or 59. She was 31 when she had the cancer and about 58 or 59 so you think about that. Many, many years later, she was on a plane headed from Virginia where they live to Orlando. She was coming to Florida to speak at one of our conferences. And while she was, when she boarded the flight, one of the, the, the people on the, the airlines came to her and asked her if she would mind allowing a little five-year-old boy to sit with her on the plane. He was going to see his daddy. He had never flown before. 
And so would you mind just kind of looking after him? And so he had obviously never flown, so he was sitting there. And so she said it was a journey of first for him. The first takeoff and being in the sky and, and how wonderful all of that was. And she said as, as they got into their flight that uh, the little boy drifted off to sleep and his head just fell over on her arm. And she said as she looked at that little boy asleep on her arm, years of loss and years of wanting just that she thought had already been dealt with just began to well up in her. And she said, I couldn't hold back the tears. She said, I... I tried not to cry and I tried to keep myself contained and, and she stayed as maintained her composure as much as possible when they got to the airport at baggage claim. She said that the little boy ran over to her. He saw her at baggage claim and he brought his father over to her and wanted to introduce him and introduce them. And so they introduced one another and, and there was a lady there to pick her up to bring her uh, to, the, to the speaking venue. And so she offered to take her to eat and she said, you know, I, I, I don't really want to eat right now. I just need to go to my room. And she said, when I got to the hotel, I just laid across the bed and years and years and years of hurt and sorrow and desire and want. She said, it all just poured out right there in that hotel room at that bed. And she said, that's when the scripture became really clear to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord doesn't want us to go through life wanting. He doesn't want us to go through life just focusing on the void of what we don't have. When I read this today about Franklin Roosevelt, how a man said, I would like to see a nation that had the freedom of speech and the freedom of worship and the free to be free of want and to be free from fear. I begin to think about that story. Can I tell you today that God wants us to be free in the spirit, free of want. Man, there's loss in this building tonight. There's loss in those that will hear this message and join us later and I just want to tell you that are here and you that are listening amen that God would have us to be free free to free be free from want amen to some degree I believe that those that the wish of our then sitting president have been achieved on a wider scale than they were in 1941. However, I want to tell you that, that I believe there is another freedom that the world needs and that is the freedom from man to be set free from the tyranny of our own sinful nature. Amen. We can enjoy the freedom of speech. We can enjoy the freedom of worship. We can have the freedom of want or be free from want and be free from fear. But I'm going to tell you the person you and I I can't get away from is the tyranny of our own sinful nature. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to get up and run around the building or raise your hand tonight, but has your flesh ever shocked you at what flashed across your mind? Amen. Has your flesh ever shocked you at some desire that welled up in your heart? I say, Lord, help us today not only to be free from fear and free from want, but God, I'm asking you to help me to be free, to be free from this sin nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, man, oh, man, how we need you, Lord, how we need you, Lord. You see, the legalists thought they had the answer to the problem. If we just have enough law and we have enough threats, that ought to take care of it. But Paul said, no, no amount of legalism is ever going to change man's basic sinful nature. You've got to get that under control, and that's going to take the power of God. You see, it's not the law on the outside 
that's not ever gonna change anything. What we really gotta have is something on the inside. Amen, we need a power within and that power is the power of the Holy Spirit. As stated before, our flesh, uh, our, our, our faith rather should produce love which in turn compels us to live a life of righteousness. And, and I believe part of this is found in serving others. Galatians 5 and 14 said the law is fulfilled in one word or one phrase, even this. He said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. And you know, not to try to oversimplify the complexities of life, but if we just lived by that, Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That would resolve a lot of conflict. How would you like this to be handled if you were on the other side of this? This, is, this would resolve a lot of things. John alluded to uh, the sacrifice of Jesus when he emphasized how love compels us. John said, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Throughout the New Testament, we see examples of serving others. The, the selfless service motivated by the love of God in our heart. It just compelled us to go another mile and another mile and another and another mile. And when we cultivate that relationship with the Lord, we do maintain a, a, a level of spiritual fitness and a level of spiritual health that keeps love at the forefront of all of our affairs. And I want the Lord to help us to be compelled by love, by love. The bring, this brings us to a more personal rather portion of scripture and that is verses 16 and 17. Paul kind of just addresses, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road. He said, walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he doesn't just leave that as a whimsical statement. But he said, for the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. There's a war. That's what Paul is saying. There is a war that's going on because the flesh is lusting against the spirit. The spirit pressing and the flesh pressing. Amen. And these are contrary one to the other. They're never going to get along. They're never going to get along. Walking in the Spirit is going to manifest itself, I believe, in our desire. Simply put, we're going to want the things of God rather than the things of flesh. And we can't put enough emphasis. There's absolutely no way that I or anyone could put enough emphasis on the power and the importance of things like daily prayer, times of devotion where we just kind of close out life. Maybe it's the beginning of your day, the end of your day, whatever your preference on that is. But I believe there has to be somewhere in our day, not in our week, our month, our year, but somewhere in our day that we put emphasis on prayer and emphasis on time of devotion. It's that daily investment that helps us walk in the Spirit. You see, when we're getting dressed for the day, nothing just mystically and magically appears. Your, your coat just doesn't come on. Your shirt doesn't just come on. Your skirt doesn't just come on. Your socks or your shoes, nothing comes on automatically. You gotta be intentional. You gotta go get it. You gotta lay it out. You gotta put it on. You gotta secure it. You gotta make sure it's right. If it's not right, you gotta make necessary adjustments. Am I right? Any of you men ever put your socks on more than once? Absolutely. Something was wrong. 
Something was out of sorts. I got I to gotta take that off. I got to try it again. I got to make sure it's going to fit properly because I'm going to be like this for a while. And so I got to make sure this is going to be right. And so it is in the manner of walking in the spirit. We got to clothe ourselves in the spirit. And when it's not right, we got to keep pressing until we get it right because I want to walk in the spirit all day long. When I put those socks on, when I put these shoes on, I'm planning on being in them all day. I want it to be right, right now. If it's not right now, the first step's not right, the last step's not gonna be right. I gotta get this right. Amen, touching his presence puts us in the frame of mind for the day. Lord, order my steps in your word. I don't know what today's gonna present me. I don't know what the phone is gonna, a phone call is gonna do. I don't know how a, checks, a text could change the complexion of my day, but Lord, you do. Amen, you said you would hold my hand. You said you would make crooked places straight. Hallelujah, Lord, you said you would open gates of brass and open gates of iron. And so Paul is saying you gotta walk in the spirit because there's a war going on and Paul holds nothing back when he starts talking about the characteristics of the flesh in verse 19 and 20 and 21 he said the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred variance variance means inconsistency emulations means imitations wrath strife seditions heresies he talks about envy and murder and drunkenness revelings and such like of which I tell you before as I have also told you in times past that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God I'm telling you that I believe that Paul is writing this letter as though he were standing behind a pulpit with a microphone in his hand and he was saying to whoever would hear me I'm telling you that whoever has these things going on in their life shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul wasn't playing games. And so even though these characteristics seem extreme, the temptations that we face on a daily basis are often far more subtle. You probably didn't think about killing anybody today unless you have children. <laughs> but there may be other things that crossed our mind. And so don't read down through this list and say, well, none of those. So I must be good to go. Because many times temptation comes to us far more subtle. When we allow ourselves to get weak in the spirit, we experience some manifestation of a lure toward the things of the flesh. It may not be so obvious at first. I'm gonna tell you that the devil will never sit down beside you on a park bench and say, why don't you just come go to hell with me? It'll be far more subtle. The, the devil will just put the wrong person in your path. He'll put the wrong person in your life. Amen. Though it may not be obvious if we're not careful and we are not walking in the spirit in tune with the Lord. Amen. The desires can grow more and more prominent. After a while, we'll be like in a vine. After a while, sin will have us encompassed and entangled and we begin to justify our actions. Well, I can do this because so-and-so is doing that. Well, the scripture says, they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. 
And so I'm just going to say it again. I don't know how many times I said it over the past 30 some odd years. Amen. But I'm not trying to be as spiritual as the next fella. I'm not trying to be as prayerful as the next guy. I'm trying to do what this book says. I can't help what they do. I can't help where they go. I can't help what they watch. I can't help how they talk. I can do something about me. I can make sure that I am in line with this book. I can make sure that I am gonna walk as close to it as possible. I gotta walk in the spirit. I gotta walk in the spirit. Amen. That's not as mystical as you may think. Sometimes people think walking in the spirit means we're just gonna be levitating about six inches off the ground, floating everywhere we're going. No, no, no. It's the real world. It's the real world doing the right thing even when it's not convenient. Prominent characteristics begin to be revealed when we're walking in the spirit. When you start walking in the spirit, Paul talks about these things that can manifest themselves if you're walking in the flesh, but then he starts talking about walking in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So when we walk in the spirit, there's some fruit that begins to grow in our life. I'm not suggesting that anybody's been called to the office of fruit inspector, but I believe that we should be able to see fruit in the lives of, in our own life, in the lives of people around us. But because of our fallible human condition, we've got to be able to identify and evaluate our own spiritual condition. We've got to be honest with ourselves. You know, there's a reason why when you go to the doctor, they don't just ask you how much you weigh. <laughs> you seem to be walking kind of light today. How much you think you weigh? They don't trust you to tell the truth. They don't ask you what your blood pressure is. They don't ask you those questions. You walk in, they get that out of the way. You ever notice that? I mean, that's the first stop. How are you today? Step up here. <laughs> You ever tried to negotiate with them? Yeah. You had the old scales. They weren't digital, you know. They're just getting back and forth. I appreciate the guilt that I feel in this atmosphere right now. Those digital scales blew that, didn't they? <laughs> Took away our negotiating power. And so we got to be honest with ourselves. We can't just give ourselves a free pass. Do whatever we think we need to do. We've got to let the word of God, its basic precepts, let them cut straight. Like a navigator using a map to stay on course. We've got to go where the map says go, no matter what we think. We've got to use these identifiable characteristics to put ourselves back on spiritual course. If you're off the course, you've got to get on the course. If you're on the wrong road, you've got to get on the right road. It's just that basic. God has provided us with the Bible. That's our spiritual map. And so if I'm going to live in the spirit, then I've got to make deliberate choices. The Bible says in Matthew, I've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I've got to keep God first. Then he said this, all these other things, they're not even identified. Just whatever things in life you need, put God first and he'll put that in your life. 
You need a better job? Put God first. He'll make sure you have a better job. Amen. You need a better car, a better home, different clothes. You need whatever you need, you fill in the blank. But if you'll put God first, but you see, when you start compromising your own life, amen, to put flesh first, then he can't work with that. You see, living for the Lord is a very daily thing. I remember my dad saying something years ago when, you know, first buying your own car and making your own payments. He said, now something you got to realize about these payments is they're very monthly. (laughs) But you see, I was still six foot tall or 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Oh, we got it. But the longer I lived, I got to knowing what very monthly meant. I mean, you just barely put the checkbook away back then. It's time to pull it back out again. I thought I I just paid that credit card bill. I just paid the light bill. Who do they think they're doing? I mean, what do they think they're doing here? Very, very. Living for the Lord is a very daily, a very daily thing. Too often we convince ourselves that that one-time decision, that one night we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that one time is, is enough. No, no, no. It wasn't enough then and it'll never be enough. It's a daily thing. I gotta make a decision every day. Deliberate choices, deliberate choices. I wanna hasten here. Ecclesiastes says that everything, there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven. And so we gotta make deliberate choices in life. Sometimes we gotta know when to speak up and sometimes we gotta know when to hush up. Amen. And so we gotta make deliberate choices and, and, and sometimes you know, we have the opportunity to say something that doesn't need to be said. Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, there's a time to speak up and there's a time to keep silent. Speaking is not an automatic function like breathing. Breathing somewhat involuntary to a healthy person. We have to, have to make a choice. I'm gonna make a choice. A choice to just remain silent or a choice to speak up when it's in, in, in the proper order or, or appropriate, I should say. When we think about prayer, the key to, I believe, any successful relationship is communication. And it's only through consistent prayer that we can connect with the Spirit of God. And the way we communicate with God says a lot about the quality of our spiritual life, the way we communicate. It speaks volumes about where we are in our spirit life. And so Jesus warned us. He said you need, when we're in, in, the, in the avenue of prayer, he said you need to avoid and don't get caught up in repetitious prayers. Vain and repetitious prayers. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Move, Lord, move, Lord, move, Lord, move, Lord. You can get caught up in vain and repetitious phrases. And our communication with God, it shouldn't be like a child's prayer, blessing the food. Almost many, many children have, not maybe the same, but a similar prayer. God is great, God is good, let us sing for our food. Kind of get through it pretty quick. I remember Justin was just a little boy, and uh, he'd always say the blessing, same blessing. He was getting a little older, a little older. And I told him, I said, you know, you need to consider letting your blessing mature. Don't just keep saying the same thing. You're a little too old to be praying that prayer is what I was saying. It was no time, no time after that. And we were off with another minister and family and we were all sitting at the table. And we was getting ready to eat and that preacher looked at, across the table and he said, Brother Justin, why don't you say the blessing? Justin looked straight over at me. (laughs) 
But see, he was in over his head now because there's nothing you can do. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> he went to work on that prayer that night. And I've never heard that prayer ever again. And so our prayers need to, our, our communication with God shows something about our relationship to God. Our, our communication with one another shows something about our relationship to one another. How we communicate. <laughs> I've shared this story before, but several years ago I heard a pastor praying one morning. And he began his prayer. His opening line was, good morning, Jesus. That pierced me. It, it really did. It was, good morning, Jesus. And as he began that prayer, he wasn't being cavalier. He wasn't being arrogant. It was just abundantly clear that this was a daily thing. Good morning, Jesus. I mean, you wouldn't ever want to take a chance you know, acting like you know somebody a little better than you think you know and kind of impress your friends and you've got them on speakerphone and you say, hey man, how you doing? And they say, who is this? Yeah. You know, you want to be pretty sure that relationship is, is a little more secure than that. You want them to recognize your voice and when he said, good morning, Jesus, it just, it just flew through me that I know the Lord recognized that voice because he heard that voice yesterday morning. And I vowed to myself not to just parrot him, but it, it done something to me that I wanted, to, I wanted to develop a relationship. I hope I had it at that time. Amen. But I wanted to begin my morning prayer in that same fashion. And I've done my very best to do that because I want the Lord to know that I'm not here out of duress. I didn't come to pray because I thought that I would get killed at the intersection of A and B. I'm not kneeling here today, God, and resenting you, but I want you to know, good morning. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for this day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Amen, the Bible. The Bible is such an important part and I'm not trying to belabor any of these issues, but I'm gonna tell you that we need the word of God. The Bible said to Ezekiel, you need to eat the whole loaf. You need to ingest it. You gotta get it in you. There's an expression that says garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you feed yourself, that's exactly what's gonna become. Amen, those that, that would raise hogs and things of that nature know that you don't wanna raise a hog feeding it scraps. You wanna raise a hog just feeding it any old thing because when you do and you butcher that hog out and you put that meat on the plate that you're going to be eating, it's going to be a flavor of whatever you have fed it. Amen. So it is garbage in, garbage out and for years people have debated the effects of watching violent acts and, and video games and movies and things of that nature. But and then while that debate may go back and forth but many believe that the graphic depictions have desensitized people. Amen. And, and consequently it has increased the number of violent acts, not only in our nation, but around the world, and especially in our youth. Because why? Because whatever you allow in the gateway of your eye and your mind, it is gonna desensitize us. So I say, Lord, what I want is your word. I wanna read your word. I wanna hear your word. Amen. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you do this, but, but sometimes when I wake up real early in the morning, maybe it's a little bit earlier than I wanna just get up. I just reach over and grab my earbud, and I play the 
Bible. Amen. Somebody just reading the Bible. There's so many websites that you can go to to do that and just lay there and listen to the word of God. That's not my daily Bible reading. Amen. That's not my Bible reading for the day. Amen. But I just want your word. I want to hear it. I want to receive it. I want to somehow think that I'm. it is being woven into my heart, into my mind. David said, I'm going to put that word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's why you need the word. Not to overstate the obvious, but every day we are bombarded with advertisements that display inappropriate behavior, inappropriate dress, inappropriate, you name it. You fill in the blank. It's everywhere. Amen. You don't have to go to a theater to see it. You don't have to go into a bar room to see it. I'm telling you that it's everywhere we turn. Nothing. Can you hear me tonight? Nothing seems to be off limits. It's sickening. It is, it's appalling. It's insulting. It's everywhere. So I need something else to wash over my mind. I need something else to wash over my heart and my soul. Amen. That's why it's so important to offset these things by consuming the word of God. Amen. We need the word. We need prayer. We need one another. We need one another. I'm going to tell you something. Last Wednesday night, we call it our first Wednesday night. Somebody might think, well, we thought eating was more important than the word of God. No, no, no. Amen. We understand the power and the value of fellowship. Amen. We're going to come together and we're going to fellowship. Why? Because we need the word and we need that function, that word to flow between all of us. I need you and you need me. We need the kingdom of God. I can't underestimate. I can't underestimate the power of influence that comes from the company we keep. Peer pressure is so powerful. It can influence us for the good. It can influence us for the bad. Amen. Jesus didn't distance himself from sinners, but he did spend more time with his disciples than he did with anybody else because he understood the power of influence. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Of course, we live and, and work and among other people that do not believe as we believe or even believe at all. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't interact with them, but, but I can't be influenced by their lifestyles or their belief. And so we have to ask ourselves in relationships, who's doing the influencing? And the moment that you're no longer influencing but being influenced, it's decision time. It's decision time. Walking in the spirit doesn't mean we won't be tempted, but I got to be intentional about avoiding sinful activities and sinful situations. Now, instinctively, and I'm, I'm closing, instinctively, it is human nature to run away from dangerous situations. That's instinct. Instinct, something goes wrong, get out of there. When we see danger, we do our best to get out of that situation. That's instinct. I was mowing with my tractor a few weeks ago and I ran over a yellow jacket nest that was in the ground. I thought about you. And in, in an instant, I was swarmed. But I figured out how to get out of there. 
Because instinct, instinct. I didn't have to ponder what was going on. I did get out of there, not before getting a few reminders that they didn't appreciate me trimming their yard. (laughs) But instinct gives us that tendency to run from danger. That's why people who work as first responders must be conditioned to run toward dangerous situations. So we see sometimes graphic videos of of horrible situations. 9-11, perhaps, maybe something lingers in our mind. We see hundreds and hundreds of people running away from. And they were doing the right thing. But there was another instinct in men and women, first responders, that had conditioned themselves. They were running toward calamity. That doesn't happen automatically. It takes training and conditioning, not just your body, but your mind. Because your mind says, get out of here. Amen. You see, the sinful nature of our flesh instinctively moves us toward things that fulfill carnal desires. But Holy Ghost filled people have got to condition themselves to avoid situations, avoid activities that would be detrimental to my spiritual health. This is not healthy. And I got to condition myself to stay away from that. Amen. Let's stand. Sadly, many people think of, of temptation as being something really, really obvious. But you see, some things that are detrimental to us spiritually may not be that obvious. But when we're walking and living in the Spirit, that doesn't mean that we're going to have shortcuts or we have some kind of immunity to struggles. Or That doesn't mean that at all. Nothing can be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us the opposite. Man is a few days full of trouble. In this world, you shall have tribulation. But when we live and walk in the spirit, that doesn't make us immune to struggles, but we have access to peace and strength that surpasses understanding. And we can just keep walking. Amen. I'm preaching tonight to people that just kept walking. You just kept walking. Through adversity, through struggle, through disappointments, Naturally, spiritually, through disappointments almost of every color and size, you just kept walking because you settled some things a long time ago. You just settled some things a long time ago. I'm going to make it to the end. Amen. Can we lift our hands and just love the Lord? Let's ask God to touch us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the outpouring of your spirit. Thank you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.